Amen. Hey, once again, we're in our study, World Religions, Cults, and the Occult. We are in number 13, Charismatic Chaos. Mary, the tagline is... Man, give it up for Mary. She sounded very confident there. That's right. I don't know what part we're in, part 512 on this study, but we're getting there. And by way of recap, real quick recap, because we've got a lot of ground to cover tonight. It's the untold history of the charismatic movement. It's a part two, part one. We dealt with 20 weeks dealing with the aberrant teachings and all that other kind of stuff. But part two is the history, nothing new under the sun. This is old-fashioned Montanism that the early church began to deal with, i.e. this charismatic belief and teaching and behavior. 1,800 years, fast forward. They say it started at Azusa Street. We demonstrated for many weeks that's not true but from Azusa Street you see this movement where people uh, would say that uh, you and I are second class Christians because we haven't had this second dose of the Holy Spirit which the Bible says you only get once at salvation Uh, and then we're not speaking in gibberish and all this other stuff that goes along with it what happens is after that movement they did spread but they spread because there were so many splits and they still continue to split today why because unity comes when you're unified around what the Bible. Now, when you get outside the Bible, and again, that's the charismatic premise. God told me to tell you, or I had a vision, or, or there, there's, there's a new revelation, the new word from... That's all outside the scripture, man. And 100% of the time, it will lead to error. Okay, and that's what we're seeing. So as we saw, one of the earliest ones was oneness Pentecostalism. As we examined that for three weeks, if you recall, oneness Pentecostalism is not biblical Christianity. It is clearly works-based. And so if these people in oneness Pentecostalism are trusting in their own works, including that you need to speak in tongues to be saved, you have to be baptized to be saved, and specifically baptized by somebody who's only a oneness Pentecostal, that's not the gospel. And if you're trusting that, you're not saved. Okay, it's works-based. Then we saw another one. The same year was birth begin because remember after Azusa, they spread, but they spread because they split in so many different directions because so-and-so told me, well, oh yeah, well, so God told me this. Or, oh yeah, well, I had a vision here. And it began to spread. Assemblies of God is who we've been dealing with. Uh, another major popular charismatic uh, 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 denomination. And then we saw, well, who's coming out of that? Surely it's a blessing to us. Well, I don't think so. A lot of it, by and large. Jimmy, Tam, and Faye Baker, Paul and Jan Krauts, Jessica Hahn, Jimmy Swagger, Steve Hill, David Paul, Young E. Cho, and the last two times, that's right, Benny Hinn is also Assemblies of God as well. And so we're going to pick up where we left off. But before we get into more of Benny Hinn and his influences that he admit, what influenced him on his ministry, okay, uh, we're going to remind ourselves biblically what God says to do. We've been here many times in our study, World Religions, Cult, and Occult. But again, remind ourselves, especially after what we're going to go through tonight, what does God say to do when you encounter somebody who claims to be a prophet of God? Whether it's male or female, and that's what's going on in the charismatic movement, a prophet or a prophetess, okay? They claim to be a prophet of God. What do you do when they come to you and say, I had a vision, God gave me a dream, or God told me to tell you, and they even predict the future, and it doesn't come to pass? What are you supposed to do? Just say, well, that's too bad, and keep sending your checks in to them? No. Some of the Bible says it all. Deuteronomy 18. And that's our opening text, Deuteronomy 18. And um, if you find the book of John, what do you do? Hard left. You're in the wrong spot there. Deuteronomy chapter 18. God, even in the Old Testament, when the ministry of a prophet was in existence, tells you clearly what to do. Uh, if you encounter these guys who claim to be prophets, but they get it wrong. Okay, and basically what you're going to see is God has a zero tolerance policy. Okay, and let's take a look at that. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 20. When you're there, say moo. 
That's a good consensus. I, music almost made me cry there, Ron. Do you hear that? Like a herd of Bible believers. <laughs> but anyway, so what's he say? But a prophet who what? Presumes. In other words, he comes to you and says, I'm a prophet of God. He presumes to be one. He presumes to speak in my name, i.e. God's name, anything I have not commanded him to say or prophet who speaks in the name of other gods must be what? Put to death. How many guys are glad we're not under the old covenant? These guys should be. Okay. But basically, God has a what? Zero tolerance policy for these guys. Right? And you may say to yourself, because that's a stiff penalty. Well, man, that's serious, man. So keep reading. How, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? Well, it's common sense. If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. Why? Because God doesn't ever get it wrong. He's God. He's omniscient. He knows everything. Otherwise, he wouldn't be God. Plus, he's holy. He doesn't lie. Lines of sin, right? God couldn't be God if he got something wrong, okay? So these guys claiming to speak in God, they get it wrong. Guess what's that? It's an easy acid test. Guess what? You ain't from God, okay? And that's why he says the prophet has spoken presumptuously. Do what? Do not be afraid of him, even though when you call him on the carpet, including today, and they say, touch not thine anointed. How dare you? What are you, some sort of a heresy hunter? No, I'm a Bible-believing Christian, and God tells me to shut you off, okay? And certainly stop supporting him. Okay, because you're supporting false teaching, okay? But that's exactly what the whole charismatic community, by and large, the premise is, I got a new word from God. God told me I had a vision, I had a dream. I got a word of God, basically, outside the word of God, and they even predict the future, and they get it wrong, repeatedly, including Benny Him, as we'll see tonight, okay? But the problem is, what's God say to do when you encounter these folks, even today, unfortunately? Reject them. Have nothing to do with them. Zero tolerance. It's not, well, he's... He got three out of 27, right? No, it's zero, right? First of all, it's not even function today, but even if it was, zero, okay? But people do not fulfill the scripture and say, cut them off, shut them off, do not support them, don't listen to them, and they keep getting a free pass, unfortunately, even today, and the world laughs at you and I because we get lumped into this, folks. Well, they're Christians, you're a Christian, you must be one of those wackos. Right? And we got to deal with it, okay? Now, again, the last few times we dealt with somebody who does this, unfortunately, not just false teachings, but claims to be a prophet and has false prophecies, and that's Benny Hinn. Now, by way of recap, the first time we saw Benny Hinn admitted he had some people, charismatic people, who had a major influence on him. The first one was this guy, Winston Nunes, okay? And this guy basically is the one who's responsible for what's called the NAR movement or the New Apostolic Reformation, which we already dealt with is a major source of mega false teachings. So that's not a good influence. The second one was uh, uh, two ladies. This is Winston Nunes right here. The second one was um, uh, two ladies that he visited their graveside, okay? And he said that the power of God was so strong on them that people can get healed, and he trembled at the power of God when he went to these gravesites, okay? Now, the first one he said that he visited in Southern California was this lady, Catherine Kuhlman, Okay, and it was not cool, man, uh, when we began to examine her background and her life. Okay, uh, she came with all kinds of false teachings, false prophecies, right? Lying, deceptive behavior, marital affairs, scandals over riches, okay, and certainly immoral behavior, okay? But she's not the only one that Benny Hinn said he went to their gravesite. We saw it on video, folks. Went to their gravesite and felt the power of God because the anointing was so strong and had a major influence on him today. 
The next one is this lady, uh, another charismatic lady, Amy Simple McPherson. Now, she is the founder of another Assemblies of God. We dealt with it. One is Pentecostal and Assemblies of God, but another big major uh, charismatic um, uh, community uh, uh, denomination called Foursquare. Okay, this, she's the one, right, that this came out of. She was a Canadian-American Pentecostal. She was very, very popular, literally considered a celebrity uh, in our country in the 20s and 30s was the heyday. So she predates Kuhlman. I wanted to deal with Kuhlman first, though. Okay, but this is a major influence on Benny Hinn, okay, and the founder of the Four Square. Now, why do they call it the Four Square? Because they believe in four things that they say are basically the full gospel. You might hear some people, I go to a full gospel church, or, or do you believe in the full gospel? And we're thinking, well, yeah, I believe in full gospel. What they mean by that is four things, right? Make up the supposed full gospel. Again, like you and I are missing out. They would say the gospel isn't just about Jesus being the Savior and he's coming again. They say that it's that plus that we need this second dose of the Holy Spirit that we don't get. We need after salvation so we can speak in gibberish and we got perfect divine healing. That's their version of what's called full gospel. Those four things, four square. You got it? So that's their, that's their belief. That's why they get their name. And even today, <clears throat> the Foursquare Church, okay, promotes her as this most amazing, incredible lady who started a fantastic movement. Let's take a look at one of their promo videos. Dedicated to the cause of interdenominational and worldwide evangelism. So read the cornerstone of Amy Semple McPherson's mammoth 5,000-seat Angelus Temple when it opened its doors on January 1st, 1923. Life begins at four squaredom. With salvation, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, divine healing, and the second coming of the Lord. On a bright summer day in 1927, the first four-square missionary set sail for the Philippines. Within the next year, he would be followed by teams to Panama, China, Czechoslovakia, Bolivia, South Africa, Puerto Rico, Australia, Armenia. In fact, over 20 teams would stake their claim for God in 14 countries in those next few months. Today, the Foursquare Global Assault Force blankets some 67 nations with the gospel, pushing back the darkness of our world wherever they go. It was no accident that the founder of the Foursquare Church was so focused on the Great Commission. As a young farm girl, the 17-year-old Amy had married the dashing and dedicated Robert Semple, and together they had committed their lives to missionary service in China. But it was not to be. Amy watched her dream shatter as Robert suffered and died of malaria shortly after they had arrived in China. Amy returned to America as a widow and a single parent, giving up any hope of ever ministering the gospel. She married Harold McPherson and tried to settle down to a domestic lifestyle, but it proved impossible. Amy threw off the comforts of home, packed up her two children, and set off to evangelize America at a time when women could not even vote, and a woman preacher was unheard of, and in some quarters, even unthinkable. But every day and every night, Jesus spoke to my soul, now will you go, preach, preach, preach the word of God. Despite the obstacles, Amy would not give up. She had answered the last call of all, and it would soon take her to the booming city of Los Angeles. She arrived with nothing but a gospel car, as she called it, $100 and a tambourine. It was 1918. There were only one half million people in L.A. when Amy got here, 
but within the next 10 years, the city would triple in size. Sister Amy, as she was often called, grew in popularity and in the number of people her ministry was impacting for God. Every Sunday, more than 16,000 jammed into Angelus Temple to hear the evangelist proclaim the gospel. That meeting started off a half an hour for church with a 50-piece or more silver band. Then you got two big choirs, one on each side, and a song service. They would almost make your hair stand on it. I mean, that thing would just rock. And then over on the side, Sister McPherson would walk down a long, there was a long ramp that led down to the platform. She usually carried a bouquet of roses, huge bouquet of roses. And she walked to the platform and walked out and I thought, that's the most beautiful woman I ever saw in my life. Now, up to this time, women leaders were very plain, very um, conservative in their dress and they had to look holy. And Sister McPherson was out here in the West where there were movie stars and where there were all kind of people that looked attractive. And she realized that women preachers didn't have to look like last year's warmed over biscuit, you know, <laughs> but that they could look up to date, nice, have a nice hairdo, look nice and wear stylish clothes. The next thing you need is a baptism of the Holy Ghost. It isn't enough to be merely born again. Let's just stop right there. It's not merely enough to be born again. Last time I checked, you know what? It's enough to be born again. But again, what's the premise? You and I are missing out. That's right. We need a second dose of the Holy Spirit. We need to speak in gibberish and have divine healing every day. Really? Oh, by the way, man, if you didn't catch up on that clue, whatever you do, do not call your wife last year's warmed over biscuit. It ain't going to go well. Okay, I'm telling you, trust me. Let's move on. All right, now, who is she? So as you saw a little bit of her background, uh, she grew up, again, Ontario, Canada. She had an early exposure to, quote, religion is the word there. Notice it wasn't Christianity, but religion. Her mother, Mildred, worked at the Salvation Army soup kitchen. So what'd she get exposed to? We saw earlier Salvation Army, the charismatic things. Okay, her father was James Kennedy, a Methodist. So there you go. She got hooked up between those two. Again, the second dose of the Holy Spirit. So understand the background. You understand why they came out the way they did, right? While still in high school, she had a, quote, Pentecostal conversion. Doesn't mean you're necessarily saved. I'm not saying she wasn't saved. I don't know. But notice that she's getting deeper and deeper. Now, as we saw on the video, she married a guy named Robert James Simple, okay, uh, at a Salvation Army ceremony. Okay, then they move to Chicago. They go to this pastor named William Durham, full gospel assembly. So now they're getting even more into the charismatic thing. And William Durham was specifically a pastor who had visited, guess where? The Azusa Street Revival thing. And he brought it back to his church. So these guys are getting completely immersed into it. Uh, Amy and her husband at that time, keyword at that time. Okay, uh, and, and Durham, quote, instructed Amy in the practice of interpretation and translation of tongues, i.e. the gibberish thing we saw before, which, by the way, she fully believed in, but, she, but this was still at a time, pre-Binham, pre-Kuhlman, when this, the gibberish thing was still kind of freaking people out in America. So even though she did it, she kind of kept it under, she's just more focused on the healing aspect, okay, as well. And again, as we saw before, can God heal? Man, he can heal anything he wants. That's not what they're saying. It's guaranteed 100% of the time, okay? Especially if you give him money, apparently. 
but that's the lines we saw before, right? So anyway, so they go on this mission trip to China. As we saw in the video, her husband at that time, her first husband, he dies. He got malaria. She got it too, but she survived. He didn't, okay? She comes back. Uh, she gave birth to her daughter. She's a 19-year-old widow at the time. Uh, she goes back with her mom and joins the, works with the Salvation Army. She's in New York City. She meets this second husband, Harold Stewart McPherson. Uh, they move to Rhode Island. They have a son named Rolf Potter Kennedy, uh, who ran after she died, the four-square denomination for decades. Okay. Now, during this time, listen to this. This is her second husband now. During this time, she, quote, felt that she denied her calling to preach. Stop there. Put the brakes on. That calling was not from God, because we saw before, has God called women to be pastors? No. So I'm not saying she didn't hear a voice or felt something. Hey, it went from God. Listen to what she did. She said, after struggling with emotional distress and obsessive compulsive disorder, in 1915, her husband returned home from the night shift to discover McPherson had left him and taken the children. So her supposed calling to go be a preacher, she left her husband. Is that from God? So the calling wasn't from God and her behavior wasn't from God. Notice how in the video when they mentioned that second husband, it's just, and it just didn't work out. You kind of glossed over that, didn't you? Right? But again, it gets even worse. He petitions for divorce citing abandonment and was granted a divorce in 1921. Then she marries again, this guy. This is now her third husband. This was an actor, musician David Hutton. Then that didn't last long. They separated in 1933, and they were divorced in March 1934. So that was her third time. And there's all kinds of other uh, illicit things going on. We'll get to in a second. But she's in LA, as you saw. Uh, She's uh, uh, managed to get quite the audience because she's quite the show person. Okay, Uh, and again, this was pre-cable, and listen, there was no such thing as Netflix at this time. What did people do? They did this kind of stuff for a show, and she put on a show, okay? Now, the place that she had uh, scrounged up and built, uh, if you will, was called the Angelus Temple. Anything Angelus Temple, that's kind of a weird name. Why would you choose that? That's the Roman Catholic tradition of the Angelus Bell, okay? And you think, well, why is she doing a Catholic thing? Catholics aren't Christians. They don't teach Christianity, as we saw before. Uh, well, it's because she intended this temple to be a place of worship, an ecumenical center of all so-called Christian faiths. Now, listen to what made the list. Methodists, Baptists, Salvation Army, Presbyterians, Episcopalians, Quakers, listen, Adventists, are Adventists what they preach Christians? No, that's a works-based gospel. We dealt with that repeatedly. Roman Catholics, is that Christians? Absolutely not. And Mormons. So again, that's certainly none of those are Christians, but yet we're all, come on. As you see in the charismatic community, that's one thing that they also unfortunately easily seem to be backing into and supporting the ecumenical movement that, hey, let's work with the Pope. He's a great guy. But even unfortunately, people like Rick Warren says he's our Pope. He's No, he's not. Okay. But uh, you see that trend in the uh, charismatic community to them uh, as well. So it was actually at that time, it was pitched as the largest congregation in America at the time. That's how popular she was, okay? In fact, uh, uh, it says here, neither Houdini at this time nor Teddy Roosevelt had such an audience, nor P.T. Barnum. This lady could do the show, right? Here's a picture of what went on uh, in the sanctuary there. I mean, it was done up. They did the music, as you saw. It was just over the top. It was, it was good. The, hey, who needs cable? 
No wonder it wasn't invented at that point, apparently, because you could just go to one of these shows, okay, as well, right? Uh, For a time at this time, the newly formed, back in 1914, Assemblies of God actually also worked with her as well. Of course, later she goes and it becomes the Foursquare denomination. Uh, But it was this lady and her popularity, listen, that eventually, quote, led Pentecostals who were previously on the the periphery of Christianity into mainstream, quote, American evangelicalism. So she helped to basically popularize in our country uh, the charismatic movement. And she was considered, listen, one of the most charismatic and influential women and quote, I didn't even hesitate to say this, minister. She's not a minister. She's not a pastor. She wasn't. uh, Of her time. Okay. But that tells you. Now, so you're thinking, wow, no wonder they made a video and she was so wonderful. Uh, Hey, the relationships, the, the adultery and things that were going on and following a false teaching, false calling. That was the tip of the iceberg. Another big major thing. She had a major scandal. There was many of them, but one of the biggest ones is she was reported to be kidnapped. And literally at that time, it caused a media fervor across our country. This wonderful, incredible woman, all she wants to do is heal people and share God with them and they kidnapped her. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Remember, she's already through her third husband. She's by herself. I'll just leave that with you. Now, the reported keyword kidnapping of Amy Simple McPherson caused a media frenzy. She disappeared in May 1926. She reappeared reappeared in Mexico five weeks later, stating she'd been held for ransom in a desert shack in Mexico. (gasps) Well, she said what happened was she was just at the beach, minding her own business. And she had been approached by a couple who wanted uh, her to pray over their sick child, because that's what she does. And so she's walking with them to the car, and suddenly she was shoved inside. They placed this drug-laced cloth over her. She passed out, right? And eventually she was moved to a small shack in the Mexican desert. Her captors, uh, 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 were, and while they were away on errands, she snuck out a window. She traveled through the desert for around 11, 13 hours she, uh, uh, of a distance of 20 miles, and she returns to L.A., and she was greeted, listen, by thirty to 50,000 people quote, a greater turnout than President Woodrow Wilson's 1919 visit to L.A. There she is in the hospital after that horrible ordeal. She's in the Mexican desert and they kidnapped her and all that stuff. You liar. Liar, liar, pants on fire. These people are so full of scandals, it's not even funny. Oh, and and, and again, remember, this is a big influence on Benny Hinn. This is the point. Because what shaped his ministry? Uh, the L.A. prosecution contended that McPherson ran off with former employee Kenneth Ormison. She was accused of staying with him in a California resort town in Carmel in the rented, that was rented prior to her disappearance. After leaving the cottage at the end of May, the pair traveled for the next three weeks and remained hidden. Then, around June 22nd, Ormiston drove McPherson to Mexico, dropped her off about three miles outside of near Agua Prieta, where she walked the remaining distance and presented herself to a resident. <gasps> I've been kidnapped. <laughs> it's such an obvious lie that gets completely glossed over that even, believe it or not, Hollywood made a movie about her. And of course, what do they do? Mocking the whole thing. And this is what's unfortunate through all of this charismatic behavior is the church is very slow to not do what God says. Shut these people off. Call them out. Call them out. This is baloney. This is not Christianity. That's not what the Bible teaches. But because we keep our mouths shut, Hollywood looks at it and they laugh at us and mock us. But here's just a little trailer of that movie they made about 
her scandal. Watch this. Ladies and gentlemen at home, Sister Amy is about to heal. Sister, a baby. No. No blind infants. God doesn't have it in him tonight. I can feel it. Sister sure is popular. She's the second most popular religious figure in America. God speaks through her. She was drunk. <laughs> her first husband died mysteriously. Her flair and her cheap movie flat. She evaporated. To the disappearance of preacher and showwoman, Sister Amy Semple McPherson. Where is the beloved preacher? You need a guide. I'm Ray. Hey, yo soy uh, Steve. Este es mi esposo, Daddy. Your Spanish is, is wonderful. Thank you. You aren't rattled by the disappearance of your ex-wife? You see, Amy had callings, and she followed them. She's an onion, and she must be peeled delicately. I'm just an entertainer, that's all. I tell stories. Can you hear them call sister? I heard a voice. a woman who's just taking care of herself. Can you hear them calling Amy? Can you hear them calling sister? Can you hear them calling Amy? Can you hear it? Can you hear it? Oh, I can hear it. So what do you say? Who here needs to be healed? Yeah, Sister Amy. Hollywood gets it. Unfortunately, they mock us for it because we get lumped into it. Okay, but folks, I'm telling you, this is unfortunate. The longer we keep our mouth shut on these kind of things, it doesn't do anybody a favor, all right? Now, let me give you some more details of how bogus this whole thing was. Though McPherson claimed to have wandered for 14 hours across roughly 20 miles of cruel desert covered with mesquite, we know this in Vegas, mesquite, cactus, cat claw, to escape her captors, when she was found, quote, she showed no sign of having been through such an ordeal. Her shoes were not scuffed or warm. There were grass stains on the insteps of her shoes. Last time I checked, there's no grass in the desert. Okay, but there is in Carmel, California. Okay, uh, she was not dehydrated or sunburned. Her lips were not parched, cracked, or swollen. Her tongue was not swollen. Her color was normal. Her dress was not torn uh, and bore no dust or perspiration stains. Uh, the dress, collar, and cuffs, though white in color, were barely soiled. Further, she was wearing a watch her mother had given her, a watch she had not taken with her to the beach where she reported to uh, be taken. And Amy told the reporters that her ankles were bruised and torn by ropes from her captivity but there was no sign of such injuries when she was examined. An exhaustive search was made by the authorities to look for this shack that she was supposedly held captive in, and they found no such shack in a 46-square-mile area. In fact, experienced uh, um, desert men and trackers went out there. One of them had experience in that area for 37 years. The other one, 20 years. You kind of know it well. They went out there and they attempted to find her attackers. They traced her footsteps and what they discovered is she apparently had gotten out of an automobile on a road not far from where she was found. Wow. In fact, a grocery receipt signed by McPherson was found in Carmel, California Cottage, where it appears that Amy had met Ormiston during the time she was alleged to have been kidnapped, and several eyewitnesses testified that they saw the two together during that period. And that was after her third marriage, and quote, during her lifetime, numerous allegations of illicit love affairs had occurred. And this is the one you're going to promote as an influence on you, Mr. Benny Hinn, with all due respect. And dare I say, this is not 
who I would want to found a movement that I'd want to follow with all due respect. But remember, part of it is also healing, guaranteed healing. Now, surely if anybody who would have healing, Pastor Tom, it would be these guys, the ones promoting this, right? Well, absolutely. But stop calling me Shirley. Okay, but seriously, the, uh, that's not what we see, including her. Remember, that's why you want to come and listen to this incredible show and this music because you're going to come and get healed. Quote, McPherson suffered physical nervous breakdown. For 10 months, she was absent from the pulpit. She was diagnosed in part with acute acidosis. Oh, wait a what, what's the matter? You don't have enough faith? You should sow a seed into your own ministry and get healed. And I bring it up. I'm, I'm sure we got to deal with this, right? I mean, of all people who should have the perfect health on the planet all the time, it's the people who are headlining this stuff. But that's not what you see because it's a bunch of baloney. McPherson then travels the world. In 1935, she embarks on a worldwide six-month discovery tour. Well, what's she discovering? To examine social, religious, and economic climates of many countries, including India. She meets Mahatma, uh, uh, Mahatma Gandhi, and she received an invitation from him, and she was, quote, impressed with Gandhi and his ideas. What? And a, the press quoted uh, a quote from McPherson in reference to Gandhi, quote, here's what she said, I want to, this is a direct quote, I want to incorporate the ideals of India with my own. What? As we saw, what's one thing that's going through the charismatic movement today? New age, the occult practices, and Hinduism. Hmm, shocker. Well, guess what happened? On uh, September 26, 1944, McPherson went to Oakland, California. She planned to do a series of, quote, revivals. She was going to preach her popular story of my life sermon. When McPherson's son went to the hotel room at 10 a.m. the next morning, he found her unconscious with pills and a half-empty bottle of capsules nearby. She was dead by 11.15. Among the pills were found in the hotel room uh, the barbiturate seconal, a strong sedative that had, been not, that had not been prescribed for her, and it's unknown how she got them. Uh, and so today, the cause of death is officially listed as unknown, uh, although there is speculation of one of two things, it was an accidental overdose or it was just a flat-out suicide. Not good. I don't rejoice in that, but again, that's unfortunate. She was buried in Forest Lawn Memorial Park Cemetery in Glendale, California. Why do I bring that up again? Because that's where Benny Hinn visited her grave and said the thing about the power of God was so incredibly strong. In fact, here's the quote. God's power came all over me. I believe the anointing has lingered over Amy's body. You gotta be kidding me. Wow. Oh, following her death, just a way of note, the Foursquare Church, uh, again, was led by her son, Rolf, for 44 years. Uh, Today, they claim a membership of 7.9 million worldwide. Uh, one guy says that she used every trick in the book to make the healing service presentations uh, quite the memory. She hired a set building team to create this awe-inspiring atmosphere. As you saw with the pictures there, that was massive for the day. Uh, she lined up wheelchairs and crutches all along the platform to show people, all the people that had been healed, supposedly. Uh, and uh, like a true showman, she built the service in such a way it always came to a climax in which people would be emotionally responding, supposedly, with the healing or being filled with the, quote, Holy Ghost. She left everybody in awe, and uh, listen to this. Audio records, records prove that her voice, voice, tone, rhetoric, service order, and strategies 
were closely linked to the exact same formula that Catherine Kuhlman, who would come next, used, and Benny Hinn, who would come later. In fact, so it's such a carbon copy method that it would, here, here comes Amy Simple McPherson. She had all, her, all of her tricks of the trade. Kuhlman copied her, as we saw last time. Benny Hinn copies both of them. And is it any wonder that they even all three typically wear white when they're doing their thing? Yeah, I mean, it is just a carbon copy cookie cutter thing, right? I was going to say like father, like son, but I, I guess it's like mother, like son uh, is this kind of scenario that we see here. Right. Uh, she would even tell her listeners, because that's the technology of the day, to place their hands on the radio to receive divine healing today. Of course, today it's the TV and what have you. One guy says her power was said to be from God, but the evidence of her life proves that God's power was not at the root of her ministry. Her storyline resembles modern day tabloid controversies more than a woman of God. In 2012, the Foursquare Church invested $2 million in a Broadway musical about Amy you know, to get the good word out about how wonderful it was. Watch this. It was written by Kathy Lee Gifford, if you can believe that. That's another story. And the show died and the church lost $2 million. (laughs) Why? I kind of think it's because you expect God to bless that story. And that's supposed to be, I don't think so. And again, this is what Benny Hinn said. He is doing the same thing. If anything, he is just not reinventing the wheel. He's following what worked for these two ladies and he's putting it in practice today. Let me give you a little taste. He does the same antics. Watch this. The arthritis is gone now. Are you the lady? Stand up, dear lady. Come on. Is the pain gone? Pick up your legs, honey. Pick up your legs. Is all the pain gone? Come on, let's go. Yeah, oh Jesus, help us. Uh, Did you see that, God? Uh, Guys, uh, that lady fell under the power of God, Reed. Did you see it? It was so abrupt. No, it was his two hands. (laughs) Give me a break. Are you serious? But notice the same thing. Are you here, Lord? It moves on. It's the same techniques we saw with Kuhlman and Amy. It's the same thing. So anything, he's just copying. No wonder he said they influenced him. They influenced his technique. But there ain't no anointing popping out over their dead bodies. And that's crazy. But it sounds good. Sounds spiritual and miracles. Well, that's again the name of his show, the This Is Your Day, supposedly miracles, and, and we already dealt with four, very popular. Uh, and I ran across this stat. This is actually kind of disturbing to me. The, charis- the charismatic community, and this is according to a 2007 study in the Barna Group, makes up, listen, 46% of the United States Protestants. Uh, that I did not know until I came across this. That was 2007. So basically, half of what's considered Protestant Christianity in America really is charismatic. And from what I'm seeing, that's not the best example I'd want to have out there. Okay? But then that might kind of explain, as we dealt with before, probably going to deal with again moving forward, Lord willing, uh, why, with all due respect with our president, he has surrounded himself with so many in this camp. I mean, they, maybe they think they're Protestant, but they're not. 
Okay, I, I wouldn't lump it in there. But listen, here's the other disturbing thing. 30% of Catholics in America are charismatic Catholics. That's a, over a third. So it's like, wow. Now, why would Catholics and charismatic kind of link together? Well, we'll get to that in a future study that kind of really took off in the 60s with the charismatic Catholic renewal thing that was going on in our country uh, back during flower power days and all that kind of stuff. So, but that's for a future study. Uh, Benny Hinn claims to support 60 mission organizations across the world, several organizations across the world. He claims to house and feed over 100,000 children a year, 45,000 children daily because of all the donors and the money he's receiving. But, well, I think I know somebody who's benefiting a lot from it. Can anybody guess who it is? It rhymes with Benny Hinn. Hey, you guys are incredible. Yeah, him. And we've dealt with this before, but let me give you an example of the abuses. And again, is this anything new? He, he not only carbon copied their techniques, and he not only promotes the same false teachings of the charismatic community, unfortunately, but the same scandalous behavior follows him as well, right? Including riches. Uh, Dateline came out and exposed him many years ago. They said he claims to heal the sick, but critics say the only miracle uh, may be the millions that he's making, right? <clears throat> Benny Hinn manages to live very well. Uh, uh, he has a, at least one home, a mansion overlooking the Pacific Ocean, and uh, it's got seven bedrooms, eight bathrooms, 7,000 square feet. Uh, it's worth, at this time, $10 million, probably way more today. Uh, he goes around, of course, the world, and hey, you can't travel like you and I, because uh, they don't give you enough peanuts, and that's just, that'll mess up your sermon when you hit the ground. That's just un- intolerable. So, of course, private jets and all that stuff. He pays more than, at this time, $112,000 a month just to be on that, that one plane. He travels in a Mercedes SUV and a Mercedes convertible, uh, and he stays in some pretty fancy places, Okay. Uh, Benny Hinn occupied the presidential suite in the Fister uh, Hotel, $990 a night. In Panama, when he was down there, he stayed in a hotel, $1,700 a night. In Montreal, he stayed in the Royal Suite, St. James Hotel, $2,700 a night. And he dresses in style. He is a regular at the Beverly Hills clothing stores in Southern California, Versace, Louis Vuitton, Bijon. Uh, in fact, so much so he's a regular that they put his name in the window there along with princes uh, and heads of state around the world. Uh, on his way back on crusades, he also stays in nice places that are considered layovers. Uh, in uh, he, uh, Cancun, Mexico, he stayed at the presidential suite as a layover, $2,684 a night. He's coming back uh, after crusades in Russia and Sweden uh, he's, but it wasn't apparently a straight shot. He took a little crooked detour. Sweden, Italy, and Northern England. In England, he stays at the Lanesboro Hotel, $3,124 a night. Uh, then he stops off over in Milan at the presidential suite. Listen to this thing. That one suite, imagine you rented a room. This, this is bigger than houses. It's 5,400 square feet, three bedrooms, a formal dining room, a fireplace, a jacuzzi, a sauna, a Turkish bath, a large terrace with a panoramic view of the city, a 100-foot-long swimming pool with marbles and frescoes, uh, $10,000 a night. And through it all, this is a direct quote, Benny, Pastor Benny maintains he has truth and God on his side. And he said, quote, I have never lied to you, never. I never will. I'd rather die than lie to God's people. Well, you better start heading back to Glendale to that uh, graveyard, buddy, because you lie all the time. 
Okay, and I'm going to demonstrate that to you. Let's look at some other lying behavior. Uh, what's Deuteronomy say again? We just read the text again tonight on purpose. When somebody says they got a word from God, or they're going to prophesy the future and they get it wrong, what are you supposed to do? Shut them off. People don't shut him off. He does it all the time. Let me just give you a few examples of that. Let's listen to these prophecies and see how many of them he got right. The Spirit of God tells me an earthquake will hit the east coast of America and destroy much in the 90s. Not one place will be safe from earthquakes in the 90s. These who have not known earthquakes will know it. People, I feel the Spirit all over me. The economy of the United States of America is going to fall. Many businesses will go bankrupt. The Spirit tells me Fidel Castro will die in the nannies. Oh my. The Spirit tells me that the church once raptured, following the rapture, a woman president will be in the White House. And that woman president will destroy this nation. But my church will, will be gone. My saints will be home. A world dictator is coming on the scene. He's a short man. He's a short man. I see a short man who's the perfect incarnation of Satan. The Lord also tells me to tell you in the mid-90s, about 94, 95, no later than that. God will destroy the homosexual community of America. But he will not destroy it with what many minds have thought him to be. He will destroy it with fire. And what's the Bible say to do with these guys? You get it wrong. First of all, it's not even function for today, but whatever, even if you want to give them that. How many times? One. That's how many times just in the 90s, which may not even been all, but I think, and yet 30 years later, this guy's still going strong. How could that be? Because people refuse to do what God says to do. Dare I say for the protection of his people. And also dare I say to avoid a bad witness because the world can spot this a mile away, okay? But let's take a look at some more online uh, or line behavior. Uh, same thing, all these claims of healings. I don't have time to go into a whole bunch of them, uh, but I'll just give you a few obvious examples. He claims to heal at his so-called miracle crusades, blindness, deafness, cancer, AIDS, all kinds of severe physical in- injuries, but many people investigated him, and it comes out, obviously, bankrupt. Let me give you one obvious one. This was 2001 HBO uh, tailed him, and uh, and uh, along with him and uh, Word of Faith German minister Reinhard Bonnke, uh, another uh, challenged guy, uh, and uh, they followed seven cases of so-called miracle healings that uh, over Hens uh, Crusade for over a year, so gave it time to manifest, 
And the film's director, and by the way, these are not Christians, okay, these are, uh, a guy named Anthony Thomas, he said he did not find any cases where people were actually healed by him. He said in an interview, if I had seen miracles from his ministry, I would have been happy to trumpet it. But in retrospect, I think they do more damage to, this is coming from, as far as I know, a non-Christian. I think they do more damage to Christianity than the most committed atheist. And I would agree. Wow. The producers of the show show that the, it was not only bankrupt, but they deliberately, uh, the hard cases, they refused to get up on stage. Okay, we saw that before. Quadriplegics, the brain damage, virtually anyone with visibly obvious physical condition were never allowed on Benny Hinn's stage. In fact, when they had tried to get up there, they were always intercepted and escorted back to their seats. We saw that also with Kuhlman as well. In fact, uh, one sad story, Canadian service, a hidden camera showed a mother who was carrying her muscular dystrophy afflicted daughter, Grace, They were stopped by two screeners when they attempted to get into the line for a possible blessing from him. The screeners asked if the mother, if Grace, her daughter, had been healed. The mother said no. They were told to return to their seats. The pair got out of line, uh, but but Grace wanted, quote, Pastor Benny to pray for her, uh, ask her mother to support her as he tried to walk to, quote, show her faith in action. This is sad. But after several unsuccessful attempts of trying to get up there just so he can pray for them, uh, the pair left the arena in tears, both mother and daughter visibly upset at being turned aside and crying. And they told the reporters, the undercover reporters, that all that Grace wanted was for him to pray with her, but the staffers rushed them out of line as soon as they found out she had, quote, not been healed. Okay, so it's just a bunch of scandalous baloney. Uh, It's also a money-making scheme as we saw before. He's been under investigation uh, even by the United States Senate. That was even back in 2007. Along with other tele-evangelists, Paula White, Kenneth Copeland, Eddie Long, Joyce Meyer, Creflo Dollar, and Lord willing, we'll be getting into those people later. Uh, He married a lady, believe it or not, uh, Suzanne Harthen in 1979, uh, but they got divorced in February 2010, citing irreconcilable differences. Last time I read the Bible, that's not justification for divorce. So how could you even go that far? Right? Hey, I, I, I know that, you know, sometimes Christians, things don't always go well in marriage. I mean, uh, for, you know, for my wife, I mean, obviously it's marital bliss, but I, I hear of other stories. And, you know, sometimes Christians, we could have those intense moments of fellowship, right? Isn't that the code word? Yeah, we don't argue. We just have intense moments of fellowship. Right, but, but that ain't justification, irreconcilable difference. That ain't in the Bible. But anyway, uh, oh, and shortly after that, they, they divorced February 2010. In July 2010, him and fellow televangelist Paula White were accused of having an affair. Of course, they denied it. But Hen was actually sued in February 2011 by a Christian publishing house, which claimed that the relationship with White did occur and he had violated the morality cause of his contract and the company. He certainly thought so. But to his credit, uh, they did get remarried back in 2013. I think they're still married today. But again, there's just all kinds of scandal line behavior. In fact, one thing that they uh, were really wanting to cover up is uh, uh, Benny Hinn's employees begin to die of heroin overdose. Now, he claims that he doesn't know where they got this heroin but you're going to see an undercover video clip. They're going to, you're going to see him handing 
the guy who dies the next day. Well, just watch it yourself. Let's take a look. Good evening. Heroin abuse. It is a scourge that has claimed more than 120 lives here in Central Florida in recent years. And now we have evidence it even reached into the inner circle of televangelist Benny Hinn. Six News investigator Tony Pipitone has uncovered new information on this story and joins us now live from outside Hinn's Forest City Church. Tony? Well, the church began a drug testing program this year after two deaths of heroin-related deaths of trusted Hinn advisors. One of them was so trusted he was Hinn's closest traveling companion, his personal aide. The other one Hinn trusted to take care of his children. Now there are questions being asked, asked about what Hinn did after it became apparent there were being questions asked about whether heroin had made its way into his ministry. David Delgado was not far from Benny Hinn's side. Delgado, a recovering heroin addict, started out as a catcher. Catch! Someone who breaks the falls of those who feel the power of what they believe are miraculous healing powers. But he quickly became Hinn's closest personal aide, traveling with him for years, attending lavish affairs. And while Hinn was meeting the faithful spiritual needs, Hello? Delgado was coming under suspicion last year of helping meet another need, the need for heroin. Heroin that police suspect ended up here, into the apartment of Sidney Williams, another trusted Hinn employee, one that Hinn will let babysit his children or drive a truck around the country to his crusades. Williams returned to his apartment in November 1997 after visiting Delgado. He was found dead the next morning in his bathroom here of a heroin overdose. Suspicion quickly turned to Delgado. Given the circumstances of Mr. Williams' death, uh, clearly Mr. Delgado uh, at least may have had some information about a possible source of the fatal drugs. A homicide investigator asked Hinn's World Outreach Church how he could find Delgado and another church employee who was with Williams the night he had heroin, but he was unable to locate them. Delgado's wife says Hinn told her an investigation into Williams' death was underway. Just weeks after Williams' death, Hinn took Delgado along for another trip, this one to Jordan. Delgado died two weeks later from complications related to his heroin abuse. Now, the church has released a statement saying that the ministry had no knowledge of illegal drug use by the two employees while they were employed here. It also stresses there is a zero-tolerance policy in place here over illegal drug use. See, Jesus said, by the fruits you will know them. And uh, just watch the person's fruits. If they uh, display uh, a clean life, a Christian character, if they show true Christianity, then they're really for real. And your own words condemn you. Wow. Anybody starting to see a pattern here? False teaching ends up to be in abuse and scandalous behavior, deceit, ripping people off. And people die. Sad, sad, 
said. Uh, as we close, let me just give you a, a one more example. Uh, did you know, again, here, let's put it to the test. One of your big premises, I mean, these are called miracle healing crusades. Now, again, if anybody is a benefit of that so-called teaching, it's got to be Mr. Hen, right? This guy's got to be the epitome of good health. It has to be. I don't think so. Let me give you one obvious example. I've said this before until I'm blue in the face. Oh, by the way, have you noticed pictures of Benny Hinn 30 years ago and pictures of him now? Have you noticed that his face is sliding off? And his hair is getting white. You know why? Because he doesn't have perfect health. Like the rest of us, your body's going to fall down and fall apart. That's what happens when you get older, right? But how could that happen? Yeah, something to look forward to right? That's why they call it the golden years because you got to spend so much gold going to the doctors. Isn't that the truth, what it is? Okay. But anyway, so, uh, but hey, surely he's got, yeah, whatever. Quote, televangelist Minihan has been admitted to the hospital for heart trouble. This is back in 2015, folks. Okay, what's going on here? Minihan, whose ministry focuses on healing, was admitted to a California hospital on Friday, stemming from an abnormal heart rhythm, a condition, listen, he has experienced intermittently for over 20 years. What's the matter? You don't have enough faith? What if you sow a seed into your own ministry? I mean, you should nip this in the bud with faith and your techniques. Maybe you should have walked up to your own stage and pushed yourself over. Come on. It's a bunch of chicanery, baloney, and it's unfortunate. In fact, as we close, it's so apparent that it's now come out that Benny Hinn's own nephew, Costa Hinn, who used to travel with Hinn, is flat out, not only, I don't have time to show all that he says, but he basically says it's not just, it's false teaching, he admits it, people are being ripped off, but he makes no bones. Don't you dare send my uncle a dime of cash. Watch this. You traveled with your uncle for two years, working for him on the road, I would like to ask you, Costi, if you were watching television one night and you're flipping through the channels, because that's what we men do, we flip through the channels, and there appears your Uncle Benny Hinn on a platform on Christian TV asking for money. Costi, would you send money into your uncle's ministry? I wouldn't, and that's because... uh working with him and really growing up in the inner circle of the faith healing and prosperity gospel and word of faith movement and add all the others, charismatic, third wave, all of that. Uh, I saw where the money went. I knew why we would begin to fundraise harder at certain times throughout the year based on spending and whatnot. And uh, it's a lifestyle that is built for us on the backs of the sick and the poor and donations are key to maintaining that lifestyle. And so, uh, I I know there's well-intentioned people that give money to faith healers and little old ladies that are really being deceived. And so they mean well, and I think God is merciful and saves many people out of the movement. We know that happens all the time, but, uh, no matter the intentions of people who give that money is going towards maintaining the lifestyle of that man or woman. You know what he just did? He did what most of the church refuses to do. What God said to do with these people. Shut them off. Don't send them a dime. 
Don't support them. Call them out. What's sad is, even after his own family's coming out and saying it's chicanery, much of the church says, you shouldn't say that. Who are you to say that? Hey, I'm not the one making the rules. God is. I'm just the newspaper boy reporting what it is. And so all Christians should be. This is what God says to do. We need to warn people of false teachers, false prophets, heresy, because sin and lies hurt, harm, and destroy. And it's high time that we at least do the same thing and stop being a bunch of chicken livers. And when these people are hurting people, the church and the lost with a rotten witness, we need to love them enough to speak up and say, no, that's not the truth. That's not Christianity. And you know what? That's biblical love. And that's what we need to be about. Amen? Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, The the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, "...you shall not bear false witness." That's lying, okay? How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand, okay? Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy, even His name is holy. Hey folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's His standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. 
Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I, I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step. To admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven, I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against Him and disqualified us that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judges said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty, uh, you even admit you're guilty, and uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know it's actually on historical record that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty, and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what He was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you could be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave and the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.